Hey guys, we ran a little bit overboard with the recording of this episode. Um, so mid-conversation, we just kind of a briefly say, hey, uh, we're out of time, goodbye. We will pick it up on the next episode, um, but just to give you a heads up, it is going to end abruptly. A little bit of a cliffhanger, leave you wanting more. Uh, we will get you this second part of this episode out as quickly as possible. Enjoy the episode. I got a thing. Welcome to the Podtendo Podcast, where we analyze, reminisce, and replay the glory of old Nintendo games. We can be contacted on Twitter, at Podtendo Podcast, email us at podtendo at gmail.com, or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash podtendo. I'm your host, Mick, and I'll be joined every episode by a special guest. This week's guest is... Tyson. Back again, eh? Yep. Didn't scare you away, that's good. And you survived the first marathon show that we did? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. That's good. Uh, I think the rest of our shows will probably be focused maybe on one game rather than like a whole series of games. Uh, and then like the bigger games we probably will do parts, I think is kind of tentatively what the schedule's like. So I apologize if anyone listened to the second episode and was like, that's 55 minutes of just crap. Isn't that most podcasts? Like, let's face it. I've heard some advertisements for some podcasts and I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. You expect people to listen to somebody talk about that fucking 45 minutes? It's true. We're talking about something fun, talking about video games. It's true. We don't have any sponsor. There was one uh, podcast I used to listen to, and they're, they had like a guest sponsor of Monster Energy Drink, and they would just drink Monster Energy Drinks. So maybe we should come up with like a fake sponsor for the show. Well, we can't just be sponsored by Nintendo, who clearly supplies us with these vast amounts of awesome games that we'll be continuously playing and talking about because we're badasses. It's true. And I definitely stole their music and use it as my own. Uh, I, I do actually have a disclaimer at the end that will say, the music on this podcast is property of Nintendo and used without permission. So, hopefully the legal team doesn't come after me and try and break my balls. They'll just take your monetization. They'll be like, it's fine. You just have to keep doing it. We'll run ads. We get money. You just have to keep doing it. I've actually heard Nintendo's okay with uh, people using their stuff for like creative purposes, so you're allowed to use their music in a video, but as soon as you start Start making money off of that that's where they start crossing a line so there was, a, there was that big kind of campaign up in arms with the YouTube community about people just playing like uh, Luigi's Mansion making a bunch of money off of it and then Nintendo being like you have to take these videos down so that's why that, yeah that's why you say like PewDiePie doesn't play Nintendo games there unless he has like written consent kind of thing makes sense yep so this episode's topic the Legend of Zelda! I said it all kind of, like, scary, because I feel like it's it's very ominous and very... It's a big deal. The release date was February 21st, 1986. How long to beat? Has it at 9 hours? Actual retail price of this game when it came out? $49.99. If we factor in inflation, it would be $98.52. Again, really high up there. I feel like... We'll never pay our parents back for the gifts they gave us. Nope. Like we have, we'd have to get mom that sixteen hundred dollar pot set that I wanted to get her for Mother's Day every single year to like break even. Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, the only thing that we can we can uh, really make up to them is taking care of them in their retirement. We could give them the greatest gift of all: the sound of child's laughter. <laughs> ah, I don't know what child's laughter sounds like. <laughs> More the, like screams. Yeah. <laughs> irritating. 
Current eBay price, about $27 you can get a card. Um, I did buy a copy of this with the original manual uh, at a comic expo a couple years ago, and I think it was $50. I got Zelda 1 and 2. They were $100 combined. I put them in a nice little frame with a map and a little manual. It was a really expensive thing I put on my wall. And then the eShop price... Five bucks. Some of the development details of this fine title. Uh, it was based on uh, Miyamoto's exploring of Japan's countryside as a child. Uh, we kind of talked about it last day where they had put, when Nintendo was coming up with ideas, the platforming and exploring ideas, and they kind of created the two games, Mario and Zelda, side by side. My favorite quote from the last episode was, the adventure from Miyamoto's childhood, because Japan is apparently a magical land full of monsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tyson from Potendo. <laughs> uh, let's get into the story. A small kingdom in the land of Hyrule is engulfed in chaos after an army led by Ganon, the Prince of Darkness, invaded it and stole the Triforce of Power, a part of a magical artifact bestowing great strength. In an attempt to prevent Ganon from acquiring the Triforce of Wisdom, another of the pieces, Princess Zelda split it and hides the eight fragments in secret dungeons throughout the land. Before the princess is eventually kidnapped by Ganon, she commands her nursemaid Impa to find someone courageous enough to save the kingdom. While wandering the land, the old woman is surrounded by Ganon's henchmen, though a young boy named Link appears and rescues her. After hearing Impa's plea, he resolves to save Zelda and sets out to reassemble the scattered fragment of the Triforce of Wisdom to become powerful enough to defeat Ganon. During the course of the game, Link locates the eight underground labyrinths, defeats several guardian monsters, and retrieves the fragments. With the completed Triforce of Wisdom, Link is able to infiltrate Ganon's hideout, Death Mountain, eventually confronting the pig-like enemy, destroying him with a silver arrow. Link picks up the Triforce of Power from Ganon's ashes and returns both pieces of the Triforce to the rescued Princess Zelda, restoring peace to Hyrule. So, uh, did you beat this game? Um, I honestly did. It sucked. Though I'm not honestly the biggest fan of NES 2. Like, it, don't get me wrong, it's like I'm assuming back in the day I would have been like blown away from this game, but I'm going back to this game probably for the first time ever 20 some years. Um, it's 20 some years after it came out. No, further. I don't know. I literally just beat this game for this podcast. I've never had that kind of ambition to go play it. I did have it once when the I first had my 3DS, and yeah, I literally like booted it up, died once. I was like, huh, well, that was five dollars well spent. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I just didn't know. Like first time I played it, never really like clicked with me. Like, which is weird because I love um, a link to the past. And I think it might just be the art style. Like, the art style of this is so... Blocky. So pixelated. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like looking at just a smudge of just dots, man. It's pretty bad. Yeah, it kind of... It, I mean, for one of the very first games, it was probably one of the bigger games that came in on the NES. It did... Like, the art style is blocky, pixelated. It looks very... Like, when you think of a video game, that's what you kind of think of, I suppose. Um, that kind of arcadey style. Uh, I played this game and beat it several times to the point where the, this playthrough, I think most of it was just mess or muscle memory. 
just like I got into a level and I knew like bomb that wall there go over there kill this enemy kill that one oh you have to kill that pulls voice go over there I, I don't know like that one time I played it or those four times I played it it's just like ingrained in my memory so that's that's fair it's good though it's it's kind of interesting like don't get me wrong like the whole world I think that was the very first game kind of like that where it was just a top-down adventure game, kind of just go. Like, there, yeah, there was computer games, but they're all mostly shitty text-based fucking computer games or, like, click-based adventure games. That's not really all that fun to play through. Like, I don't care what you say that is or what Telltale can come up with. Click-based is really limiting. Like, you have to be really engaged with what you're watching. It just looks like pixelated dots. But at least with Zelda, there's something fun to do. Like, the, the combat's really rewarding. Like, when you fuck up and get hit, because you were an idiot. Yeah, well, it's interesting, too, the exploration that you have, and you kind of have the option. So, uh, the way the game starts, uh, you start in the overworld, and it's go. Uh, There's a little door right on the first screen. There's an old man who says, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. There's a wooden sword. Once you have that sword, it's mapped to the B button. Uh, You go outside, you kill enemies, you can collect rubies, bombs, and there's no real direction points to go. It's just walk around the game. For my because I'm a bit more well-versed. Uh, in the overworld, I start by... I got a couple bombs, some rubies. Uh, there is a money-making game right near the entrance, or like two screens over from the where you start. I went in there, I used a save state, made a bunch of money, went and got the blue ring that's hidden by the lake. From there, got a couple heart pieces, had enough that I was able to acquire the master sword. So in this game, to get new swords, you have to be strong enough, and your strength is determined by your heart pieces. So by the time I even stepped into the first level, I had the second best, or the second level sword, blue ring and like six or seven heart pieces so the game's fairly simple from at that point yeah i uh didn't even like get the upgrade sword i played through it and i tried to beat the first dungeon i got frustrated so i was like uh is there something i'm missing here so i just followed a guide like a like a sane person instead of just bombing every other freaking wall yeah i guess i should say that like i played this game before and i've used a guide pretty extensively the first couple times in the last two times or two or three times it's just been kind of based on uh like muscle memory like i say and being like you first started like playing this game like that's the thing about this one you really need a guide to like get into it it's like know it and like I think even in the original manual it says something about like you should no it's not the original manual no, there, absolutely actually, no 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 yeah because I have that that has the layout of where the first level is this is what you yeah. go in uh, look for this here's a bombable wall make sure you grab this key there's what this enemy does here's the boss beat it uh, look for the second level it actually it kind of got uh, sorry it guides you along so yeah which to be honest you kind of do like the combat is hard enough to just traverse so to manage that and to do all this random other little shit kind of need a helping hand yeah no absolutely uh, so yeah for everything my... goes back to freaking adventure man I'm telling you well it kind of it, it comes back or even like makes me think of there was a couple times with uh, a link to the past I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves in this whole kind of timeline of games but I remember I'd go to a friend's house on a weekend and would be on the ice palace which is level 5 in the dark world and it would take us the whole weekend to like play this room get good enough that we could get to the next room and then get good enough at that one to play the next one and it would take us two to three days to beat that that level but then you could beat that level and you could go and I went to a like that was at Mark, Mark's house I went go to like Kale's house afterwards and, and I'd be like hey man I could beat this level for you so it was just almost a little trade off there and that's how these games were built right like you're supposed to play them for days and weeks and months uh, it's not just meant to 
beat in a week and then record a podcast about it. So yeah, so the first level was the old tree. Very simple. I actually have made a D&D campaign based on this in the second dungeon. Uh, the item we get in this one, the boomerang, freezes enemies. Oh, it also kills bats. Fairly, it helps the combat a little bit where you can freeze an enemy, get a couple shots in so they're not always moving around and attacking you. And the boss of this one was Aquamentus. He was a big dragon that shot three fireballs at you. Pretty simple. From there, I moved right onto the second temple or the second level. Well, what'd your guide say? Uh, yeah, basically it was second dungeon. Yeah, I always have a hard time finding this dungeon. It's in the the hills in the forest area. I, I don't... I, I can fight it now, but I definitely remember playing the game once where I had beat up to level 7 and still hadn't found level 2 because it was like a mystery to me. So I ended up pulling up a map and finding it. It's This one's fairly straight. It's literally just a straight line. You can just walk all the way to the top, uh, fight Dodongo, which is the boss of this level, and leave. But if you make a sidetrack over to the right-hand set of screens, there is a map Magical boomerang. With this guy, uh, that one moves a little bit quicker and just goes farther. Simple. Level three is in the forest, kind of at the bottom left-hand corner of the screen. I feel like this is like the very first dungeon in terms of difficulty. So that was a bit more of a maze. Not that I struggled on this one. I think this is one that has all the, what are they called? The vires, those little hoppy guys that you kill and they become two bats. This also has the <laughs> first level where you're side-scrolling as you go down. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so um, it's which was kind of actually kind of fun, and uh, Rose reminds me of the and uh, the what was it the Game Boy Color one? Uh, oh, uh, Link's, Link's Awakening. Awakening. Yes, yeah, where you get like a little like leaf or not the, the feather, rock feather. I still just wish I had the jumping feature in this because sometimes when you're on a ladder, I feel like a helpless little man. Yeah, jumping is, it's hard to do on that kind of that 2D plane having a jump feature, but it feels good, you know, like to have that kind of that rock's feather. This one we get the raft, so you can find these little boat docks and you can launch off with your raft, Uh, it'll take you to other areas, and then Manhandala. Uh, Manhandala is a kind of like a ball with piranha plants attached to it, and you have to kill them by bombing them. I got very lucky and I placed a bomb right in the middle, or I placed a bomb in the room and the Manhandala moved over top of the bomb blew up all heads so that's the pro- I, that, that's one thing I always sucked at with uh, Zelda games is killing enemies by bombs except for like um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time with the genre where you can just like toss it that just wait for a spawn to be open pretty easy but, like, having to bomb something and, like, hope to Christ that they actually, like, wander into it by chance, no way in hell for me. Yeah, so then after that, uh, I don't know what your walkthrough said, but for me, I moved right onto level four on the island in the lake. Uh, so you need the raft to reach this one, obviously. Um, I died several times on this level. Uh, the first time through, I reached the boss with only two hearts. Died. Figured, you know, I have three hearts of the six or something, or six or so that I had, and I was like, well, I'll just find a fairy or heart drops, get back there. Don't think I found a single heart drop on my next three attempts. So there's a very low heart rate drop uh, in the dungeons. Once I went outside, I found, like, the first enemy gave me a fairy, and I was able to go back in and fight it. I don't understand why... Uh, the heart rate drops are low in the dungeons, maybe just to increase the difficulty. Uh, totally, man. They're smart enough to know that you need hearts. Like, the one time you actually need hearts, not in the overworld most of the time, because you can just grind on some freaking bushes or whatever, just grab some hearts, or kill some easy enemies. But in dungeon, every little mistake just kills you, so you have to gotta carry your fairies. 
Yes, uh, potions. You got to get the potions. Okay. I don't know when I when I got the potions. I think I got the potions actually at the very beginning when I was doing all my grinding and overword collecting, and then just never used it. I don't know why. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I must have forgot about it. This this one we get a step ladder. So there are some parts where the screen has water in it or blood or it's a pit. And the stepladder basically builds a square. So you can go hide off kind of the edge of cliffs. It's great for if there's a room full of uh, skeletons or some enemies walking around, you can just stand on the side and stab them. They can't hit you, uh, as well as you can get through some of the more puzzly and, like, winding rooms. Pretty straightforward. The boss in this level is Gleok. Uh, if you have the magic sword and the blue ring, it's really easy. This one, the next level, level first five. <clears throat> you also get the, in level four, I think it's the first time you get the Triforce piece. No, you, uh, you collect the Triforce piece at uh, the end of every level. Oh. So the, I thought it was just in four. No. Nope. That's where it starts. No, nope. so the story is Zelda, or Ganon had the Triforce of Power. He yeah. wanted the Triforce of Wisdom. He, there's only the two. Yeah, she broke them into eight pieces and put them in different dungeons with guardians throughout the land. And she needed a brave warrior to uh, obtain them all. So, Because that's the only way you can get the Triforce of Wisdom is if you earn it. You can't just take it. You have to earn the wisdom. Then you have the strength to beat the guy who has the powerful one. Ah, so cool. So these actually aren't even Ganon's bad like enemies. These are the Kingdom of Hyrule's kind of like temples with warriors. So it's kind of a neat spin on it, right? Like, like, it's not like you're fighting the Koopa kids or you're fighting the bad guys or the enemies there. It's just a test for you, to test your merit. Are you man enough to save the girl? Uh, so, so at this point, I think in the game, I must have had the magical sword. Uh, so then if you, so if once that you collect all the overworld hearts uh, and you beat at least four levels, I think you need 13, 13 or 12 hearts. There's 16 in total. So by the time you beat level four or five, you'd have time for the magic sword. That's just the most powerful sword in the game. Level five is in the Lost Hills. You get to a screen where you get kind of stuck. So you can't go down, up, or right. You can only go left. Uh, the trick to this one is you just go up four times, which takes you to the fifth level. Kind of, kind of sneaky, I guess. Uh, so this level five, the dark nuts were fairly difficult, uh, but they were easy to dodge. So anytime if there was a room with a box in the middle, I found you could kind of position yourself around the box. The dark nut would come kind of down straight. You could get a couple hits in and then move around the box. That helped that a lot. You got the flute in this level, or the whistle, and the boss was Dig Dogger. It was a big circle with an eye. If you play the flute he die or he shrinks and you can one hit him with your sword so fairly simple kind of a wasted boss yeah i don't understand i think the point was they they cuz they really wanted to cuz you could get to this level without any special items you didn't need the step ladder you didn't need the raft so if you got to this level and for some reason missed the item they were trying to reinforce you know, there, there's something else to this game or this level. Don't forget it. So it's okay. kind of neat level design in that sense where they kind of push you to where they want you to go rather than tell you. Uh, level six, I did this level last because in my mind it was the most difficult. It's near the graveyard on Death Mountain. I made it to the 
to the boss, the Goma. It's this big spider creature on my first try. The Wizardrobes were not nearly as bad as I remembered it. And this is really where my muscle memory kicked in to the point where I got to this one room where there was Wizardrobes, planted a bomb, walked into this dark room, uh, went down to the bottom of the room, planted another bo- uh, bomb, went through, fought some mummies. That took me right to the boss. I don't know where that came from. Uh, I didn't look at a map. It was just like, oh yeah, go here, go here. I think it was just because they were such interesting set pieces that kind of made them stand out from the other levels. Let's I had like six jillion times on this fucking level. Yeah, that's, oh, it's a tough one. Like I remember when I first played it, like this one stressed me out. I like went to the next level, uh, made sure I had stocked up potions. It's tricky, and I think just that stress, you know, helped me create this kind of this my or helped me create my strategies on how to beat this game. Yeah, let, let you keep that focus. Yeah, I actually went back to studying to take a break from from dying in this game. So you'd rather study than play video games. Yeah, yeah. Well, this level in particularly, I just suck at kind of some NES games. And for whatever reason, I just um, remember, like, dying a shit ton after the room. But I was just, like, literally just turned it off. Like, I didn't even, like... Well, um, so there's a room where... So there's a magical shield that you can use that deflects uh, some of the Wizardrobe's beams. So there's a room, I think, with two like lakes, two blue Wizardrobe's, and three... Uh, yellow or orange red wizard robes, and those are the yellows or the sorry the orange wizard robes transport around the screen, and the blues kind of move and can uh, are translucent when they move through items. That was probably the tougher room because I know when I first played that, that room was very difficult. Um, yeah, I think it was the very first time I saw the Blizzard guys that shot shit. Yep. Yeah, they like I said, I I don't think they're as hard as I remember, but they do hit like a tank. Like you get hit by them, that's like two or three hearts of damage. Uh you just you're not prepared for that. Like me, you don't know every nook and every little cranny. Even when you're doing a freaking using a guide, you still end up just skipping heart pieces and Yep. Uh, well, yeah, because some guides will tell you, like, this is the official way you're supposed to beat it, whereas more seasoned veterans know you can get stuff easier, and that's kind of the cool stuff with these open-world games, is you can break the chain. You can go and get your Master Sword, your Magic Sword, earlier than you should have, uh, or, like, with the game designers, so you can make some of the game easier. I've even seen no sword runs of this game. I think... I don't know if yeah, it's... That, that shit seems insane to me. Yeah, you can... Instead of buying the sword, you buy the candle, and then you use a combination of the candle and the bow and the boomerang to take out everybody in the... It sounds awful. Some people have far too much time, man. Yeah. Uh, so this, this level, level six, we get the magical rod... It just shoots magical beams. Nothing really special there. But if you could get the magic rod early on, it kind of negates the use of the sword, and it's almost like a constant sword beam. So I think that's kind of the strategy behind that. Uh, let's see. I just have another note here. Uh, there was two mini-bosses. We saw a Dig Dogger again, and then a Gleok was there. Uh, so this is where they start kind of recycling the end bosses as mini-bosses. The main boss here was Goma, and as I said... Oh, I don't know if I said that, but uh, sorry. Uh, Goma, I one-shot killed her. So you need the bow, and you have to hit her in the eye when it's open. I got very lucky. Uh, the boss can be quite difficult. There's a lot of fireballs being shot at you, but if again, if you're lucky like me, you can hit her in the eye, no problem. Level 7, we then use the flute from level 5 to drain an empty fairy fountain in the forest. This one can be tricky, especially if you forgot to bring the meat. Uh, of all the items in the game and the overworld you can get, there are is this weird chunk of meat in every shop. You have no idea what it's for. Like, playing it for the first time, not, the guy who wants it doesn't, doesn't even, I think he says grumble, grumble. That clearly means you're hungry. I guess. I guess your stomach grumbles? I 
I feel like people don't say that anymore, so maybe you'd be lost on today. So with the meat, you can then move further on uh, into the level. This one is not nearly as hard as level six. It had those jumping, not gibdos, uh, what are those called? Anyways, they had these jumping enemies that you hit with your sword, they became two bats. Super simple to get through. Had some gibdos, some dark nuts, not as hard as the wizard robes. You got the red candle in this level, so that was just an infinitely spawning candle. So with the other candle, you'd use it once. You'd have to leave the screen before you could use it again. This one, you can use it uh, in perpetuity. It never runs out. And yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I never really understood why you can only use a candle once. Um, but having an upgrade kind of makes sense for all that. It's, yeah. I, it's, it just sucks that it like, comes to like second to last. Yep. Like third to last. Second to last. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't really understand the point of having that one-use item per screen. Um, I think it kind of actually is from that tabletop genre. So if you ever played a uh, like D and D game, you have some items called like daily or encounter yeah. powers, and I think that's kind of what they're going for, right? So the stronger yeah. you get, your at will powers, which you can use every single turn, are become almost as good as your encounter powers. So I think that's kind of what they're going for. So it's look, you're stronger now. You can do this uh, for every battle you have you can do this spell over and over again yeah that um, makes sense it's just it's just another way of kind of limiting you and making it slightly harder so when you're a badass walk around at the end of the game and everything's fucking easy you're like oh well damn kind of makes you just adds to that layer of how far you've progressed on your journey yes uh you're no longer limited absolutely uh so the boss on level seven was aquamentus fairly simple at this stage of the game and i wonder if that's part of that that look how much of a badass you are now you remember that first boss that we fought in the very first level he's cake now right i, I don't know if that's why he was brought in there uh level eight uh it was under a bush in another forest i used muscle memory again to navigate this dungeon many bosses were very common uh, I found the holy book right away. We'll get more into that in a while. We'll call it, sorry, it's the magic book, not holy. Even though there's a cross on it, we'll discuss that afterwards. Let's see, I found that right away. Uh, I lucked into the dungeon boss. So I took this weird route where I did a turn, bombed a wall, went through a gate, uh, found a flight of stairs, went through there, found the three-headed Gleok in this level, super short. Uh, and from there, I went to the final level, Pinnacle Rock, Death Mountain, Ganon's Lair. Uh, it wasn't until I looked actually at a guide after the fact that I saw there was a magical key. And as soon as I was, I was like, well, is it worth going back? Like, how many keys do I need? I had 11 keys at that point, though, in Pinnacle Rock. So I figured I probably didn't need an extra, like, uh, like an infinite key. Did you find that magic key helpful? Yes, no. Did you use I, it? I always, yeah, it's always very helpful. Like... I mean, infinite key. Why wouldn't you get it? You, I went through a whole dungeon just like get a candle that freaking you can use twice. That's 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 <laughs> that's fair. Uh, and, and if you're like me, you constantly miss shit in games. So you're like, ah, this is handy. Just go and you actually like get another fifty rupees, which at the end of the game is useless. But yep, now I've opened every box. Yes. Uh, so as much as I was bragging that I, you know, I, I'm cool and I don't need to walk through anymore with level nine, I've never taken the time it's still daunting uh, so i did use a walkthrough to play through this level because it's huge compared to the rest of the dungeons i got the red ring i only used one potion up until that point i got through the rest of the dungeon 
and just through various attacks, I had to use up the rest of my hearts. I remember I was like two screens away from fighting Ganon. I was in this room with a Wizrobe. I had half a heart. I pressed pause, brought up the potion, went to hit A to prompt it, and I died, which was really upsetting. Uh, so I was like kind of pissed off at that point. So I went out and pulled up a world map, and I found one screen over from Death Mountain. There's the old hag that sells you the potions. So that was super handy, because I literally went out, took a hit, used up my last blue potion, got a red potion right there, and went back in. So I didn't even miss a beat. So that was kind of nice that they were kind of throwing you a bone at that point. They knew that they had created this really tough level, and they said, here you go. They were finally going to cut you some slack. Yeah. Last last dungeon. Um, so the next time I went back in, I made it through the whole dungeon without using any potions. So I got all the way to Ganon with just my full bar of health. Or not full bar, but I like the, of the 16 hits I had or whatever, or 16, I guess it'd be like 32 hits, I didn't take that many. So I refilled right before I went into bed. Uh, uh, to fight Ganon, it's a pretty simple final boss battle. You just have to poke around in the dark when you hit him with your sword. Hit him with your sword enough, and he kind of stops, and he's as goes from blue to red. You shoot a silver arrow into him, and he explodes into a pile of bloody ashes. Again, Nintendo, PG. We, hey, 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 kids, we're, uh, we're a fun PG game. Go ask your parents why there's a bloody pile of pig ashes on the floor. Yeah, they uh, they definitely didn't didn't shy away from it. But okay. oh. it was that was an eighties kids problem. Eighties kids back in the day had to deal with a lot more hardcore shit. It's true. PC as the world is today. Thanks, thanks, PC principal. Th- there was actually a so I was. So, so sorry, you beat Ganon, you head up one screen, there's Zelda, you save her. Uh, congratulations. It does give you a prompt, press start to play the second quest. So we'll discuss second quest, uh, or my experience with it in just a second. But if you think that the overworld in every dungeon is a one-to-one ratio, I saw a guy who put the dungeons kind of underneath the map, and what does that look like? Death Mountain is bigger than the overworld of Hyrule. And since you come in at the bottom or the top left of Hyrule to enter the dungeon and the bottom right of the dungeon, it's almost like Death Mountain is another Hyrule kind of on top of it. Uh, it was kind of a cool looking map. If you guys, yeah, check it out online. I'll see if I can maybe find it and post it in the show notes. Throw it up on Twitter. Yeah, or I can throw it up on Twitter. Uh, just, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it, you have to use your imagination, right? These games aren't one-to-one. Uh, that's the kind of the cool thing about this old pixel art, though, is... I find with new like, graphics nowadays, I don't know, it d- doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. Like, the games are very straightforward, the worlds look like this, but with this game, you got to use a lot of your imagination, right? Like, the wizard robes were these stupid-looking little guys with these hats on and robes. They f- went around and shot light- laser beams at you. They're boring, but you could make that as cool-looking as you want. Like, you've seen art and stuff and fan art for these games, and, like, they're unbelievable. I think the best example is Kefka from Final Fantasy III. Uh, he's a little pixel, he makes this little... Ah, 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 sound. Sort of kind of like, I don't know, just silly. But then you look at like the fan art and he's this crazy, maniacal Joker looking guy. It's really neat. And I think that's kind of one of the the better parts of this pixel graphics is just the imagination that you can have. One thing when I first got in, when we first started getting into Legend of Zelda, like my first one obviously was like uh, Link to the Past, but just the artwork alone just drew me and I was immediately just hooked. I wanted to read books of this stuff. Like, if they would make, would have made, like, 
an entire comic series of that and I would have had access to it, I would have read it cover to cover night and day. Because it just, there's something about it that just kind of just like struck a chord with me. Like it's kind of that high fantasy, like elves and swords and orcs and all that kind of good stuff. But they did it in a really interesting way. Like I always just remember like the big moblins who throw bombs. Um, I know it's not quite the same, but all kind of derived from those very first kind of art clips. I don't know which where they ever came from because I was never never opened up a freaking one right off the bat. But the artwork for the original like Legend of Zelda is just so cool, and I swear that there's like a little comic that goes with it. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know why it was a bo- no, it was a book that we had in our car because I remember we'd go on road trips, and there was a story about or Link. He was on a raft, and then he got a bomb from an old lady in a shop, and then a moblin attacked him, and he ended up having to because the moblin had poor eyesight. Yeah. Um. Like so he built a link, like little scarecrow guy with his, a bomb as his head. So the moblin found him and said, "Hey, I got you now." And then the bomb blew up, and that's what killed him. Yeah, it was it was a masterpiece. But as like a kid, like that artwork just was so cool. Like sorry, sucked. But artwork. Yeah, well, and I think that's nowadays why they still give you concept art uh, with games, and like that's a big unlockable with some of these games because that was such a big part of early video games, right? Like Zelda, Mario, Metroid. You got the concept art in these books and Nintendo Powers, and you're like, man, this game's awesome because it didn't give you anything to go on. It was super basic, super simple. The the concept art just added this different layer to it, but that is what's being missed nowadays. That like the newer games. Look Look good. They right? do look very good, but they're very soulless. And that's I'm like I'm saying that like compare like you think that as technology would progress, you'd go to kind of your original perfect vision. But over time, your vision kind of changes and diverges, and you learn something new. So original Legend of Zelda, like had they had the the freaking budget. They probably would have done something that had similar art style to, like, their original concept official art or whatever. So yeah. you'd think that as time has progressed that they would re- they would try to c- recapture that. But they've changed and they've gone down kind of this other road. And very anime-esque, um, cel-shaded. So I don't know, like, have you seen kind of, like, the new, any of the new stuff for the budget is all the one that comes out on, is it going to come on the Wii U or is it going to go to their new console or whatever? Uh, I think they're still saying they're uh, going to put on the Wii U, but it might be like a crossover, kind of like Twilight Princessy, where they'll have a release on the Wii U, and then they'll have another version for the NX. Yeah, so everything that I've kind of seen of that game looks really kick-ass. Like, yes. that basically, like, it looks like all that original open artwork, you could just basically go on your own, like, little adventure, there'll be shit that happens, and go throw bombs or whatever, and find, go hop on your horse, go adventure. Um, but the artwork just is so different than what I really really hoped as a kid that I'd one day be playing. It just looks so, I don't know, it looks so soulless. They're not, they're just like there's all the skin looks kind of the same all the characters kind of look the same. It's like, when you think of like Link and that old woman, I always think of like just how different these two characters look like. You can almost like, by looking at them you can see that character's kind of history. Like Link, fair-skinned young, fresh kid. He's just supposed to go on his very first adventure and you see the old woman who's got like lots of wrinkles and it's hunched over, but is clearly very capable of like living in a very hazardous world. So like you have to kind of like just by looking at that one character, that one scene, you already know so much about that character. Then I look at all like new video games and artwork. Look at the new 
Call of Duty, Battlefield, name a first-person shooter. Heck, even Overwatch for that sake. The new game from Blizzard, everybody's yep. loving. And I look at these characters, and I don't see that. I don't see these stories that these characters have been through. I see a perfect miracle person that should basically be classified as an artwork. That's what it is. It's a Absolutely. nice piece of work. But it's like for a stories aspect and like likability and relatability, you have to almost want to be able to tell that those characters have stories, not just be like, this person is a walking masterpiece. They literally are living sculpture. Someone spent hours and hours and hours making a perfect shape. And you're like, kind of gets boring after a while. But that's what I was like with like Link. Um, is he has that kind of like that vibe to him where he's like he's that young fresh kid he actually he has a justification for looking the way he does whereas most other characters don't like like Mario and Link two very very well designed characters versus let's say Sonic Uh, so I'm gonna stop you right there Uh, let's say goodbye for this episode Uh, we'll cut it here and then we'll continue on to the next episode just because we're running out of time thank you for listening the Podtendo podcast was produced by Mick Rutschman. You can contact Podtendo on Twitter at Podtendo Podcast, email us at podtendo at gmail.com, or check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash podtendo. The music of Podtendo was used without permission and is property of Nintendo.